Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We're going to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. So this is episode 12 of FX Talk, recorded on Tuesday the 13th of October. And on today's podcast, we focused our discussion on our thoughts ahead of November's US presidential election. We'll start by talking about why we think the dollar has sold off in the lead up to the vote. We'll then move on and discuss how we think the dollar and risk assets might perform on election night. All right, so trading in the FX market last couple of weeks or so has been almost completely dominated, actually, by, by expectations for next month's US presidential election, which we think will be the greatest event risk between now and the end of the year in the financial markets. Investors are currently largely overlooking the sharp rise in virus numbers that we've seen uh, in Europe in favour of the election. Risk assets have actually rallied um, in the past couple of weeks or so since our last podcast episode including both the pound and the euro, which are one month and three week highs respectively. Meanwhile, the dollar has underperformed against almost all of its major peers during that time, initially following the the first television debate between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden, which turned into a a bit of an unseemly insult match between the two candidates in which sentiment for President Trump declined. And then again, following President Trump's positive COVID test on the 1st of October and his subsequent hospitalization. Uh, so while he appears to be on the, the road to a full recovery, this period has um, disrupted his campaign trail and he now lags comfortably behind in the latest opinion polls, around about 10 points according to the latest poll of polls. And actually one of the leading uh, election prediction websites that we, we tend to look at, 538.com, now see, sees Biden's chances of victory at around 86% uh, leading up to the election. So the big question for both of you, what do we make of this sell-off that we've seen in the US dollar in the last couple of weeks? And what, what do we think has been behind um, the recent weakness in the greenback? Um, well, in my view, it's, it's, uh, in a sense, it's weakness for positive reasons. I mean, the fact is that the markets have become a little more relaxed about the prospects for a contested election in the US as Biden pulls ahead in the polls. Um, the uh, the market is coming to the view that a blue wave is more likely than not, meaning that the Democrats not only take the White House, but also the Senate and keep the House, uh, which would mean uh, significant amounts of stimulus going forward, which is good for risk assets in general, in particularly equities, uh, is bad for long-term bonds, because it means that there's going to be a lot of issues coming, a lot of uh, debt issues from the U.S. government to finance that extra spending. Uh, and it's bad for the dollar in two ways. The first one is this, this risk uh, seeking, this, this, this risk appetite means that the dollar all value as a, as a safe haven diminishes. And second, I think it's quite interesting that uh, perhaps, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but perhaps we're seeing the beginning of uh, the markets, world markets are starting to price uh, some sort of risk premium on excessive debt issuance and excessive uh, unbalance between uh, between income and outgo 
on the U.S. government, which is something that we hadn't seen before. It's early days, but it, uh, we really need to pay close attention to whether that's the case. It's interesting, but I generally think that last week what we saw was firstly the market reacted positively to the news that Trump's health is improving uh, because on Monday he got out of the hospital as was planned. And then we had some negative noises uh, regarding the uh, potential for destruction of the negotiations between the Democrats and the Republicans uh, regarding the fiscal package. But actually, uh, later in the week, those news turned positive. And so I think that we had positive news on, on the Trump's health, then we had positive news on potential fiscal package. Uh, and generally, macroeconomic data that we saw last week was also quite positive in the US. Uh, so we saw we had the better uh, non-manufacturing PMI from the ISM. Then we also had labor market data, which was mixed. So we had the uh, initial claims, which were worse than expected. But actually, we saw a very significant drop in continuing claims by 1 million from the week prior, uh, which is uh, which generally tells us that the situation in the U.S. is uh, on the right path. And uh, overall, uh, if the situation in the U.S. is positive, this is positive for the rest of the world. So I think that uh, this has been uh, what, what was driving the dollar. So those three things. Uh, and generally, the fact that uh, right now the Trump has a, a lot less chances of winning the re-election is definitely also positive because one, it might be uh, might be better for the intermediate negotiations between the Democrats and the Republicans because because uh, when it comes to the fiscal package, uh, because I think that the Republicans are losing their uh, better hand. Uh, at the moment. Uh, and on the other hand, this uh, limits the uh, risk of the contested election, which is also positive for the risk assets. So everything, uh, so practically most of the news flow from the previous week has been positive for the risk assets. And I think that the markets have also turned a blind, blind eye uh, at the coronavirus situation uh, all across the world. But uh, it doesn't mean that the euro dollar has uh, the prospects only to go up. And I think as uh, also we noted at the beginning of the week, there is some risk uh, of a short-term pullback in the euro dollar. And I think that what we are seeing right now, because right now the, the euro dollar has uh, lost all of the gains from uh, the current week, I think that it's it's just materializing. So it, it's we might not be going up uh, for a. I mean the sorry to clarify, uh, we we still believe that the euro dollar has the potential to go higher, but we think that uh, the short term pullback that is right now materializing uh, probably has some ground. And it, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Rami, yeah, you're mentoning COVID there. I think uh, I think this resilience we're seeing it in risk assets, uh, particularly the euro and sterling, of course, is actually quite remarkable, really, given what's going on in, in the European continent. If we consider many countries now uh, in Europe are seeing a you know, full-blown second wave of virus infection. We've seen significant new restrictions being implemented on hospitality and indoor gatherings, for instance. I think it's almost inevitable that these will... Um, way on growth uh, in Europe. And yet, actually, we're seeing the euro and sterling both rally against the dollar. Um, I actually find it a little bit difficult to see how this is sustained in the sort of more medium to long term if we continue to see an increase in infections, if we continue to see um, more restrictions being placed uh, on Europeans. I think that this, yeah, well, I think we could, as you say, see a bit of a pullback 
uh, in those risk currencies if the situation in COVID uh, does worsen significantly. Staying on the, um, the topic of the election, one of the, I think one of the main uncertainties and questions that we're seeing a lot from our clients going into the election is, is what kind of reaction we're going to see in the immediate aftermath of the vote. Uh, so far, as we've, we've mentioned, we did have seen a little bit of a move higher in risk assets and sell off on the dollar, um, as Joe Biden has a clear lead in the polls. Um, as I think you mentioned, Roman, we, we think at least part of this has to do with the diminishing possibility that the votes in the, in the swing states are close enough for Trump to contest the vote, which would um, obviously drag out the uncertainty long after election night. Um, also, given the fact that we've seen more Americans than ever before likely to cast their vote by mail-in um, due to the pandemic, that possibility of delayed election results still remains, and it's one of the main reasons why we think the safe havens could receive a little bit of support leading up to the election. But regarding how we think currency markets will react uh, over the sort of more medium term, I think a lot of these may depend on the composition of Congress. Of course, Americans next month will also be voting on um, both the US House and the Senate, uh, which does add a little bit to the complexity as to how the market will react following the vote uh, on the 3rd of November. Uh, so I'll pass it over to you both. So what, what reaction can we expect in the dollar and risk assets following the vote, uh, and what impact um, do you think this vote on Congress has um, on both US policy and, and uh, the currency markets going forward? Well, my view is that, is that everybody's obviously concerned about a rerun of 2016, where Hillary Clinton had a, a slim lead on the polls that uh, turned out to actually be correct at the national level, but she ended up losing the key states uh, and, and losing the election. I think that that's much less likely to happen this time around. Uh, in spite of the, uh, of the uh, uncertainty you mentioned about the number of votes that will be counted uh, at the point of uh, at, on election night. Uh, because first of all, everybody's mindful of the polling mistakes that were made in those states, those swing states in 2016. And I think, if anything, I see a lot of effort of overcorrecting uh, and being ex excessively cautious in, in predicting the election. Uh, and also, the, the Biden's lead is, is considerably larger in the polls than Hillary Clinton's ever was as of now. And there's just not that much time for things to change between now and the election. Uh, we will run out of time for a major October surprise. Uh, I think that my base case scenario is that Biden wins, Trump makes some noises about uh, the election being rigged, but are mostly... Uh, towards uh, making excuses for his loss rather than actually con seriously contesting the election. And uh, the question to me right now becomes whether the Senate will also change hands because uh, the one party controlling all three branches of uh, the Senate, the House, and, and the presidency would be really meaningful and would really lead to some serious moves in, in markets because uh, it would enable uh, some... some I think fairly significant fiscal and tax changes in the U.S. Yeah, definitely. The question whether Senate changes hands is quite important. But I also think that in the context of the election, considering that a significantly higher proportion of Americans than in 2016 will be voting by mail, the one question that I have is whether we are going to get the 
results and the the actual factual results results of the election uh, early so uh, whether won't, there won't be a period of uncertainty after americans cast votes when we will actually not have any information on who who won and that's uh, yeah i think there's a bit of a misconception in that most the vast majority of votes even the, those cast by mail in most of the swing states will be there on election day to be opened and read um it's 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 difficult uh, to to make a, a sweeping statement because every state and sometimes every in some places every county uh, runs elections uh, in the U.S. runs elections uh, uh, as a different procedure to run an election. But in general, you will be able to vote not only the the person in person votes on election day, but most the vast majority of the uh, of the mailing votes. Yes, but we are. Also, in the scenario where the situation can change from right now to the election day, when the difference between Biden and Trump is lower, and therefore, if the situation like this happens, then there could be some risk of uncertainty when even a handful of states will not get the actual results uh, at the time of the election or, or shortly after. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good, good point. Yeah, I think possibility of a potential delay in the results, I, I, the way things stand, I, I don't think that would necessarily be the case given that Biden's so far ahead uh, in, in the vote. I also don't think that necessarily Trump will be able to really mount a serious contest as a vote as well, again, as the way things stand, looking at the polls. Um, but of course, yeah, the polls have been wrong in the past and that can change in the next few weeks uh, leading up to the, the vote. Um I think, yeah, regarding Congress, I think, I think it'll certainly make a difference to how the markets react um, on election night. I think we saw, look back at the first two years of, of Trump's presidency when the Republicans had full control of Congress, both the House and the Senate, and how much easier it was uh, for Trump to force through his tax stimulus relative to the last sort of two years or so since the, the midterm elections when uh, the Republicans lost the control of the House. It's been much more difficult Trump to force through um, any policy changes. So I think, uh, yeah, as you both mentioned, if Biden were to be named president and the Democrats win both the House and the Senate, I think it'd be a, quite a clear signal that large fiscal stimulus is coming. And, and that would probably, uh, as we've seen in the last few weeks, support risk assets and uh, see lead to a bit of an unwinding in, in safe havens, including the US dollar, I think. Yeah, also because it would probably mean that the tensions between the United States and China will uh, not deteriorate as they would likely would have under Trump uh, and that there is a possibility that, that this conflict might be resolved sometime in the future. This definitely would also be another positive for the risk assets. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's little doubt, I think, that that blue wave would be a big positive for uh Risk assets, and in fact, uh, you've seen the S&P 500 closely tracked uh, uh, Biden's lead on the polls and uh, the simulations for the Electoral College. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.